0: aunts and uncles, anyone in need. Join us now to learn more about estate planning essentials with Michael Cohen and co-host Don Crawford, Jr. Here now are Michael and Don. I faced it all, and I stood tall, and did it my way.
1: Once again, we welcome you to another estate Planning Essentials program. My name is Don Crawford, Jr., the grateful owner of KWM Radio. With this program, we are always wisely trying to protect your family, your assets, and you. I do that with my co-host every week, Michael... Cohen. Hello, Michael. Hello, Don. How you doing? I'm doing fine. Thank you. I appreciate your time again today. I know the audience does. You're very current. You're very knowledgeable when it comes to estate planning and government assistance. And this is why we do this every week. And uh, this program is going to be no exception. And late last year, around the end of December, December 29th, I think it was, of 2022, they signed a new bill. Um, and there were a lot of changes that would be made in 23, 24. You even mentioned 25. Um, And one of those changes, or lots of those changes, affect Medicaid, and you wanted to address those today. Yeah.
2: Remember earlier this year, one of our first shows in 2023, we talked about IRAs and how the government wanted to save for, uh, encourage companies and employees to save for retirement. This is one of that – part of that $1.7 trillion plan uh, spending bill that was signed by President Biden, I believe, on December the 29th. Okay. Uh, We also talked, uh, I think, in December on some other things uh, previously uh, that would be part of that bill which was like on energy. Uh, we talked about clean energy and how they wanted to have things like on electric cars and uh, different things to uh, have uh, a, a, an environment that was more uh, friendly for environmental purposes uh, than had been in the past. Uh, and so uh, they're concerned about global warming and mm-hmm. other issues. Mm-hmm. So... Um, there was many, many things that were discussed in this big bill, and they're all thrown in on how we're going to spend it and some things on how you're going to make up the difference. Remember, uh, there was the talk at one point about having a stronger IRS. So as we, as we get closer and closer to time to pay taxes, one of the things was the threat of the IRS enforcing the actual laws that have always been or have been on the books or are on the books right now. So, you know, it could be anything from making sure that when you pay uh, uh, somebody $600 or more, be uh, issuing a W, uh, you know, one of those things to show, W-9 or whatever, mm-hmm. to show that they've been getting this income. So maybe it's online accounts or whatever that they may force people to try to get uh, – more enforcement to make sure that people are paying their taxes. Sure. Uh, so whether it be uh how do you pay for the bill, uh, or whether it be on environment or on saving for retirement, similarly there were some Medicaid issues uh is part of this lengthy bill. So I thought I'd just go over a few of those things here uh today Great. and explain what it is. Um, One is a thing called money follows the person. Money follows the person. So what is money follows the person? Well, in Texas, uh, there are different Medicaid programs. In fact, there's 109 Medicaid programs, each with their own rules. One of those programs is called Star Plus Medicaid. Now, Star Plus Medicaid um, helps people who are at home There's a couple of there's Medicaid managed care agencies where they actually come to the home for somebody who needs care. Let's say they're bad enough to be in a nursing home, but they want to be at home. Usually, this program provides 35 to 40 hours a week plus medications. Most people want to stay at home. They don't want to go into a nursing home. I don't know if anybody that says, "Oh, I can't wait to go into a nursing home." Right? Yeah, I, 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 I haven't seen that list of people yet. <laughs> if I did, it wouldn't be very long. Yes. Uh, uh-uh. So, so most people want to, if they want to, if they have care, they'd like to stay where they are. Sure. Although there is a another program for Star Plus Medicaid could be assisted living as well, uh, but very few facilities that except Medicaid or that are are assisted living facilities or memory care units, too. Um, Anyway, but the problem with the Star Plus Medicaid program is that there's generally been a large wait list because people wanted to stay at home. So in the height of COVID, I remember uh, in 2021 that the list had gotten to be over 25,000 people saying, I would like to be at home, but I'm waiting my term. I don't want to go to a nursing home. COVID could be uh, rampant, mm-hmm. and I don't want to risk, uh, especially as I get older, I'm more likely to get uh, COVID because uh, of underlying health conditions. So uh, they didn't want to go to a facility or was less likely to go to a facility. I remember at the beginning of COVID, I told some clients, take your parent, out of a nursing home because of those concerns. That was back in 2020, however. Um, Of course, things have changed in some respect, but still there's a list of people that you have to do to, I mean, you have to wait until uh, your name gets called up. And by the way, there is no risk of putting your name on a wait list. You don't have to give financial information. Uh, You only give, like, basic information, name, Data, birth, social security number, how to contact you, that mm-hmm. type of thing, and sure. where you live. Um, and, and once your name gets called up on this list, uh, then you have three options. You say, yeah, I'm ready. And so then somebody comes to the house and determines if you're disabled enough, bad enough to be in a nursing home but staying at home. Uh, or say, no, I don't want it at all. Or number three, put my name on the bottom list, we're not ready yet. So really anybody who gets older and doesn't have long-term care insurance could be put on the list just with the anticipation that someday they may need care. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if you're uh, – I don't know what age is older now. The older I get, the younger things seem to be, but mm-hmm. uh, everything's relative. Uh, you know, I told a story to somebody last week about – how you know how that used to be at Social Security – when they used to send out mail for Social Security checks instead of electronically. So it used to be um, that when you're over 100, agents for Social Security uh, would actually come to the person's home to make sure they got the check and somebody would not either dead and somebody else collecting the checks right. and stuff like that. Sure. And I remember hearing somebody from Social Security went out to a 103-year-old's home someplace in Fort Worth area and uh, the the lady who's 103 said to the person from social security how who's the oldest person that you're uh, going around this area to see if they got their social security check and the social security representative said um, there's a lady over in whatever that's uh, 108 that I'm going to see now the 103 year old said 108 now that's old yeah, right. <laughs> not 103, of no, course. of course. So the older we get, the yeah. you know, it seems like uh, uh, younger people that are older than us seem. Uh, <laughs> I call my stepson, who's in his 20s, kids. And Sarah
1: corrects me all the time. They're, they're not kids. I'm older, and I guess I see them as kids. But, you know, when you mention uh, on a more sobering topic that when, like my father said to me years ago, long before COVID, no matter what, do not put me in a home. The money's there, nursing care. I want to be at home, not in a home. And I get that. Uh, One of the best movies, according to a lot of men, and I did like it a lot, it's called Shawshank Redemption. And as you're talking, I'm thinking about that movie. And I just realized in that movie, I don't think there's one woman in the entire movie. I just never realized that, and I'd seen it numerous times. Very fascinating, entertaining movie. And Morgan Freeman, who's about to get out of jail, says, uh, you know, it all comes down to get busy living or get busy dying. If I went to a retirement home, I'd feel like I was getting busy dying, and I wouldn't want to do that. I'd want to stay at home and at least feel like I was living.
2: Yes, yeah, so what happened here was originally the, the law was that you could only be at a nurse, or when you get long-term care, that was only at a nursing home. And they thought, well, it's cheaper to dispense medication all at one spot. Mm -hmm. But then I don't know how many. It's probably been 15 years or so, maybe a little longer. Mm -hmm. I tell people I'm an elder elder law attorney because I don't remember exactly when that happened. But I remember when it happened, though. And they said, okay, if you – we, not every state, by the way, uh, has this law uh, that we said, look, if you could make it cheaper for us to pay for care at home. Then we'll let you. We'll let you stay at home and get Medicaid, or nice. the state pays somebody to come to the home. Love it. So, but there's this long list that I mentioned. Oh. So that's why the name "money follows the person" comes right. about. So what we sometimes do to bypass the list is get somebody eligible for nursing care at a, at, at a nursing home, uh-huh. and then bring them home. Money follows the person to bypass the long wait list. That's great. Yeah. Very
1: memorable. Very yeah, smart.
2: Yeah, yeah. So um and so in the new law, they allowed the that law to continue to exist. They allowed funding for that to exist. You have to, you know, Congress has to approve and then every state has to make their own rules mm-hmm. as to their own programs. So not every state has Money follows the person, uh-huh. uh, but Texas does, and so if, and so you sometimes use this, or maybe even somebody was just in a nursing home to begin with. They say, oh, "I want to come home." Mm-hmm. They it wasn't originally to just bypass the list. Mm-hmm. They just say, "I want to come home," and maybe now it's thirty-five to forty hours a week. But you're going to have to have it's not twenty-four seven like a nursing home, mm-hmm. so it's going to be somebody that the family needs to be. Of uh, assistance in some way. Okay, you here, okay, state, you're going to have somebody uh, here from uh, you know 9 to 2 o'clock on Monday through Friday or something, right. uh, just as an example. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the Dallas area, there's two different Medicaid managed care un- uh, places, Molina um, uh, and Superior. Uh, it must be said that sometimes people are concerned that people don't show up. Uh, it also could be concerned that uh, sometimes the uh, quality is is uh, something that has to be looked at as well. Uh, you know, yeah. you got to remember, so what happens is the state pays these agencies a certain capped rate, okay. and they say, figure out, say, you figure out how to make it cheaper. Mm-hmm. And so you may not... The, it may not be the person that you want to be the care provider, and so it may not be the quality that you desire. So that's also something that has to be evaluated in you making your decision. Or maybe
1: the quantity of hours.
2: Yeah, I mean, it could be. Yeah, if you need more than that, 35 or 40, and, right. you, and they won't grant you anything, then you're, you know, whereas a skilled care facility is 24-7. It's tough. Yeah, So, but this is something that's a normal decision mm-hmm. that has to be made because a lot of, uh, you know, most people don't want to be in a f- facility, but we're and they have limited amount of funds, uh, and they say, well, gee, what can I do? What are my options?
1: Yeah, this is sobering, painful stuff at times, but these are decisions that have to be made. You have to deal with it. This is life and death, and as people live longer, they get older you're more likely to either become that person or know someone who has become that person. And then you have to make decisions. In the meantime, uh, hopefully that hasn't happened yet. We ask you to make the decision, and that is to say yes, I will attend Michael's next workshop, which is an estate planning essentials workshop, which is Saturday, February the 18th at 10 o'clock. Michael,
2: tell them where the workshop is and tell them what happens at the workshop. Well, we, the workshop is free. No obligation. And we ask you, what do you want to know? Mm-hmm. And it could be most people, a lot of people ask about state planning, about wills or trust or powers of attorney. Others may ask on Medicaid, like the topic today, mm-hmm. or how do we pay for care? Because it's a common thing as people live longer that they don't have adequate long-term or no long-term care insurance, and they're surprised to learn that Medicare doesn't take care of them the way they thought they would. Got it. Uh, So, uh, people want to know, and we ask you what you want to know, and then we write those questions down, and we answer those uh, questions during the two hours that are of this free estate planning essentials workshop. Mm -hmm. We also have a presentation, kind of talking about the basics, whether it's about estate planning or Medicaid. It's not a two-hour presentation. Oh, no, 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 of course not. We ask... A lot of times the presentation is certainly a lot less than the questions. Right. And and you learn something from the questions of other people. Mm-hmm. So, no, it's not a talking head type deal. Good. This is interactive, and that's why we call it a workshop exactly. and not a seminar. Exactly. So, you're going to see what questions people ask. We're going to, um, in the presentation, we're going to make it lighter so it's easy to understand. Uh, but the bottom line is no, whether well, it will be a presentation because people want to know some basic stuff. And then uh, others want just to have their questions answered and you learn something not only getting your questions answered but from the questions of others. If you go to that free spate t- uh, painting essentials workshop we also give one other bonus uh, at least one other bonus one bonus being that you get a free vision meeting that's three free hours to look at your own individual situation have your questions answered without any obligation and it's private and it's private mm-hmm. the workshop of course is a group right? and the um, But the vision meeting is at a private time that would be scheduled sometime subsequent uh, to the workshop. And, again, that's free, too, like you said. Yes, three free hours of Mm -hmm. of legal education, no obligation, just certain to learn, see what your own situation is.
1: And then you can decide. It's very fair that you do it that way.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying some people don't need to do it. I mean, they might be fine, and some people just want their questions answered. Mm -hmm. And some people want to do additional planning because there's something they didn't realize that they needed to protect. I mean, it doesn't really matter. It's really, this is free. Uh, this is more of an educational type thing than anything. Uh, so uh, to go to that free estate planning essentials workshop, all you have to do is call 214-720-0102, 214-720-0102, or sign up online at dallaselderlawyer.com. That's Dallas elderlawyer.com uh, to go to that free estate planning essentials workshop on February 18th at 10 a.m. I, for, I would be remiss if I didn't mention the free KWAM coffee mugs. Uh, so uh, for those people who didn't give an adequate uh, Valentine's Day gift, some people are clamoring for that free KAAM coffee mug for the, for the Joe in your family. Clamoring? <laughs>
1: <laughs> about clamoring? Michael called this an education. I call it an opportunity, a very good, if not invaluable, opportunity for you to make decisions deciding to attend the workshop, to attend the vision meeting, and deciding to make Michael your estate planning government assistance attorney like I did. I highly recommend you do that ASAP uh, so you don't have any problems down the road, at least as few as possible. That's what I recommend, and I hope you'll do that soon, especially by attending the next workshop on Saturday, February the 18th at 10 o'clock. Michael, about eight minutes left for uh, final
2: information on the SECURE Act. Yeah, uh, Well, it's not going to be on the SECURE Act because we're going to talk more about the Medicaid. The Medicaid. Yeah. um, One of the other things was to also extend, just like on the extension of the money falls a person, the Medicaid prevention from spousal impoverishment laws, Um, Medicaid... uh, a lot of people don't realize that you know Medicaid is means tested. If the government's going to help pay for your care, they look at what your assets are and what your income is. If it's a married couple, mm-hmm. they look at the what they call non-countable resource income, typically social security or a pension or annuity that's been annuitized or if somebody's working. And if your income is low enough, then you could keep more assets. in year twenty twenty three, the amount of countable resources, that is, things that are uh, that are not exempt, like a home and a car and a pre-need funeral, there are certain things that do not count uh, in this calculation. Uh, but on the assets that do count, typically checking, savings, money market, the most you could have if you did not have federal prevention from spousal impoverishment laws is around a little over 148000 as of in 2023. However, if your income of that Social Security or pension typically is less than the limit, then you can expand the amount of assets that could be protected. So, if you had, uh, so there could be situations where somebody might have three or four hundred thousand cash or whatever, or perhaps even more, depending on the interest rates, because the formula for keeping more assets is based on interest rates of CDs. It mm-hmm. doesn't mean you have to go out and buy a CD. You look at the bank where that person banks, uh, and, uh, and then you see what the CD rates are, and then you plug it into a formula. And the lower your income is under that threshold limit, the more that could be protected. So if you have income of uh, like less than 3700 a month, uh, then uh, between them a couple, uh, then you look at you look at the assets and see if they count or don't count. You look at the income they look at gross income, and then you do it put put it to a mathematical formula and so somebody could like I say even um have several hundred thousand three four five hundred thousand perhaps, and still be get governmental assistance and Most people think, well, I thought Medicaid was only for the poor." But when they passed these laws to prevent spousal impoverishment, they did that because people were getting divorced to get eligible for Medicaid. Mm. Uh, and so they thought that's not a good thing. We yes. don't want to encourage divorce. Mm-hmm. So, what they, as part of this act, they said, look, we're going to extend this law. We still don't want to encourage people to. Um, get divorced to get eligible for Medicaid, so we're going to allow this to continue. Now, when they did this law, this is not a new law. This has been around since like 1988. When they did this law, interest rates were a lot higher than they are today. And so in those days, if you, let's say you had a 6% interest rate, uh, you might have been able to protect 100000 If today it was at a 1% interest rate, you might be able to protect 600000 So it's kind of an inverse thing. So the lower the income the, uh, the more you can protect. Okay. Very helpful. So th- this is a very common thing. And by the way, uh, just because your income uh, is greater doesn't mean that you can't get eligibility for Medicaid in other ways. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times, let's say a well spouse has income that exceeds this limit. Let's say that they're getting a pension or military or teacher and they had an mm-hmm. income – Uh, or maybe they're still working and their income was over $4,000 a month. Well, if that's the case, sometimes there are different things you could do. Besides buying things that do not count, uh, you could actually convert the assets uh, that count into an income stream because there's not a limit. So in other words, there's like, for example, a Medicaid-compliant annuity. Uh, there's so there's a certain annuity. that doesn't count for Medicaid. Like a, I'll say it kind of fast. It's a single premium immediate annuity for a term certain less than the life expectancy of the annuitant. It's non-transferable, non-assignable. But the state of Texas after your spouse has to be named as a remainder beneficiary to the extent that Medicaid benefits have been advanced. Usually I say it faster, but because I was on the radio, I decided to slow it down. Right. Uh,
1: the nice thing is you didn't read that, which is very impressive. And, but there are restrictions for that annuity.
2: Yeah, you have to fit those rules, mm-hmm. and if you don't do that, it it it, it could be a problem, could okay. create ineligibility. So I just wanted to let you know that even if you don't, the, the Act extended the federal laws to prevent spousal impoverishment, and so that's the first thing you look to if somebody's married. But if they're not married, I mean, if they are married and their income is too great, you look at Plan B. And okay. so just to let you know about that, I'll mention one final thing because I know that our time is limited. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a thing called ABLE Accounts, Achieving a Better Life Experience. Okay. Uh, and so it, they didn't want it to, to, to realize that people are disabled. Um, they The thought is, is that, um, you know, we ought to give them some more independence. We shouldn't just always discriminate. And so, if somebody uh, previously, if they were under age twenty six and they became disabled, you can open up an account where you could give up to the annual exclusion in twenty twenty three that' seventeen thousand dollars into this account, which basically gives unlike the special needs trust which is used to supplement rather than supplant public benefits it 's more flexible in how you could spend the money just about on almost about on anything. Mm-hmm. And the disabled person may be able to get to that account, um, and it can grow actually to be up to $100,000, and it will not count as an asset for Medicaid. Normally for SSI, Supplemental Security Income, which you automatically get Medicaid, you have to have less than 2000 This will not count as a resource. Um, so it's a, a something that people often try to utilize, uh, but 26 was a young age, so there was the discussion, that, which was in the Act, uh, which, uh, was to increase that to age 46 as of 2025. So really, this is an opportunity to have things where they could act easier in an easier manner to take care of more things without the restrictions of perhaps either a special needs trust or, or otherwise so that people could have a – Better life while they're disabled, the but there, but there is one more thing. Go if ahead. you don't spend that money uh, at, at the time of that person's de- the disabled person's death, then the government is a remainder beneficiary okay. to the extent that Medicaid benefits have been. Not really a
1: catch, but it's just one more thing. Mm-hmm. Typical Mike Cohen. Full disclosure. Um, he used the word opportunity just a minute ago. These are all opportunities for you to capitalize on, to protect yourself, to plan and prepare. For the future. Uh, also, the, the phrase of the day is the fact that we as people are taught, and I even read this the other day where this phrase originated, and that is well, just follow the money. And in this case, Michael's theme of the program has been well, the money follows the person instead, which is throws me off. A great phrase, great way to remember what they're trying to convey here. But I love it that the money gets to follow the person if they can um, find the right kind of care that is affordable, that will be paid to them so that they can stay at home. That means a lot to me that resonates. And I love that phrase, Michael. Money follows the person. Again, opportunity. Take advantage of this now, this opportunity. And 10 Michael's next workshop, which is Saturday, February the 18th at 10 o'clock. Dial 214-720-0102 or go to DallasElderLawyer.com, DallasElderLawyer.com for signing up for the workshop, his podcast, his newsletter, and to learn more about Michael, see what he looks like. Everybody loves a face with a name and to hear him. You can even hear him in advance before the workshop from the podcast, which is an archive of all all these programs we've done, right? How far back?
2: I'm not even sure. Years,
1: years. And a lot of it is timeless information. Some of it's, of course, timely. And we're glad to say that. But a lot you'll learn and you'll hear about Michael and his expertise. And he doesn't read. He was rattling off some phrase. I asked him, repeat, what does that mean a minute ago? He didn't read that. He just knows it. And he knows how to help you. So attend his next workshop on Saturday, February the 18th at 10 a.m. in person. Our Dallas elder law attorney, Michael Cohen. I thank you, sir. Thank you, Don. The record
2: shows
1: I took the blows and did it my
0: way. A leading estate planner practicing law for decades in Dallas, Texas, Michael Cohen is ready to educate you about the Texas and federal laws. The next step to that end is to attend his next workshop by going to his website, which is DallasElderLawyer.com. That's DallasElderLawyer.com and sign up for that free estate planning essentials workshop. Or you can also call him by dialing 214-720-0102. That's 214-720-0102.